Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Hopefully you've been enjoying the jungle our fantasy baseball 10-minute podcast with Marty Tallman, or their fantasy expert over at MotorCityBangles.com. Thank you for everybody who's been checking out the podcast. And thanks again to Alex and Luke from the Michigan Trumbull podcast for joining us. But I just wanted to pass it along. If you like Marty Tallman's little segments, just let us know. And we so sit back and enjoy another episode as we recorded last night in the middle of the Tigers 11-0 loss to the White Sox. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Tigers SRD with two hosts who always start on second, Chris Brown, never-ending parade of mediocrity, and Roger Castillo. Roger, you live in Detroit. All right, welcome in to Tigers SRD here at MotorCityBangles.com and the Tiger Mind Report Network. I'm our host, Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Our Heart, Stitchler, and Google Play. And I wanted to thank everybody who's been our Spotify. People have been tuning us in more on Spotify, which is becoming more of a, a podcast destination for people. So uh, also, if everybody, we had a new subscriber on our Patreon. So this show is going to be a different show than normal, because first and foremost, for the first time in history, Chris is right actually right next to me. This is not a live draft show. But he's actually next to me at my house, which has never happened, Chris. Hello. How are you? I'm right behind Roger's right shoulder, ready to pounce. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no mic issues this week with I that. Got, but the- I got my eyes on that captain's chair. As soon as, as, soon as you turn your head, I'm- <laughs> oh, It's like an episode of Succession in here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. Um, joining us in those, and those two voices are familiar with uh, – I'm a big fan of these guys because they go out. Just like we do weekly, no matter what, rain or shine, they don't, they don't, it's, look, I mean, I give you guys a lot of credit. It's uh, Alex and Luke from the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. Uh, you can find them over at uh, Michigan underscore Trumbull on Twitter. You, you guys, honestly, you guys are just doing, you're doing the Lord's work. I mean, this year, what's going on? Thank you. Yeah, we started, we started a podcast March of 2020 mm-hmm. uh, and said, what are you, this is going to be a perfect year to start a baseball yeah. podcast. And yeah. then we got to March of 2021 and we said, all right, it's going to be way easier this year, right? It's a full baseball <laughs> season. And then, uh, well, we know what's going on with the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> yeah, I laughed, Roger, because you're like, you guys are in there each week, good, bad, the ugly, whatever. And I just laughed because if you could see mine and Alex's private text every Friday night after a Tigers loss, I'm just like, I'm not doing a show on Sunday. Find someone else to host. I'm not doing it. I, don't, I got nothing nice to say. 
And then yeah. I always like come down from my like anger rage. I'm like, I'm like the anger emoji from inside out. Like I cool down, I take a deep breath and then I come and do the show on Sunday. And then it's usually, it's pretty good. But yeah, thank you for having us again, man. It's good to see you guys. Yeah. Yeah, likewise. Here. And uh, yeah, you for showing us this normal on this Thursday show. Youper. Good to see you. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so, and, and look, and before we get to the show, I, I understand that it, it, it's hard to go out here and, and try to be stay positive and, and try to talk about things, but there's a lot of little things you can talk about. Baseball is such a, I mean, to me, there's such good other storylines going on in baseball right now. For example, we saw the Madison Bumgarner no hitter, whether it was a no hitter or not, kind of debate. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of cool things about baseball. So that's what I love about the sport outside of that. So and even with the White Sox, um, they're their arrival, and I know you. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know Luke. You're in Chicago. Or both of you guys are Chicago, right? I'm I'm formerly Chicago. I have uh, relocated just a little bit further south to Naples, Florida. So just a little bit oh, further south than yes. Chicago. Um, okay. And then I was tired of the Chicago winters and it being cold and crappy ten months out of the year. So I decided to get uh, a tan instead of frostbite. Very nice. Yeah, and then I'm I'm actually New York based, so this weekend mm-hmm. I will be camping out at Yankee Stadium. Uh, yeah, giving nice. the giving the boys some support on the road. Mm-hmm. He's our guy. Yeah, and there's gonna be, and I, I know Yankee fans have been coming under fire for being kind of dicks. I mean, what? Breaking news: Yankees suck. Dicks since 1941. Breaking news: Money can't buy everything, and it will turn you into an asshole. I uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's start out SPL Florian, even though his K rate three percent. Oh, <laughs> they're throwing baseballs on the field because they're what, like three games under five hundred. Yeah. Being a Tigers fan, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you don't ever see people frisbee tossing Little Caesars pizza boxes onto Comerica Park. Like, just relax, Yankees fans. We'll throw a parade if we end up on three games under five hundred at the end of this season, dude. <laughs> that's what we've been saying the whole time. Yeah, but heading that way, and so, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot to get to. Tigers right now in the second game of the doubleheader. What is the current score right now, Chris? Uh, last I checked, it was nothing, nothing. Although Tim Anderson had a leadoff hit against Matthew Boyd, which is uh, what else is new? Yeah. No. So yeah, and, and and Matthew Boyd, we'll get to the what the starters have done. The minor league uh, rosters were released today. A little thin and eerie, but we'll get to we'll, we'll talk a little bit, glance over it. But uh, no, and today the, the game today, Casey Mize threw a complete game in quotations, which was mm. the six innings. Uh, with the game being seven innings. And I thought that there was an interesting stat that was posted by Cody uh, Steberhagen of the athletic. And I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but it was one of those things where a lot of people are kind of, I'm going to ask, I'll, I'll go around the room. Everybody asks this question. It just seems like people are kind of running off Casey Mize. If you're just looking at social media, which I thought was interesting, which was blows my mind. His ERA in the first three innings is 3.75. His ERA innings four through six entering today. 8.22. Wow. So I, I, I think there's, I mean, it's a matter of consistency, but I'll start with you, Luke. In terms of where, is Casey Mize fine? Is everybody just kind of overreacting a little bit right now? Oh, 100%. I think, I don't even know, how many career starts has he had? Like 12 or 13? I mean, it's we're not even in the 20s yet, and people are already ready to cash in on him. It's, I mean, it's kind of the same story, different, I guess, in the, the scenario, but like it's the same thing with the Miggy thing. I've always seen you guys kind of talking about it. I don't know if we would get into that, but I feel like Tigers fans were so angry and bitter, and rightfully so, because these last few years have just been atrocious, but we're misdirecting our anger and our frustrations. It shouldn't be getting taken out on Hall of Famers like Miggy, who's on the tail end of his career. It shouldn't get 
taken out on young bucks like my Scooble, et cetera. You want to point the finger, point the finger at guys in upper management, in particular, Alavila and Chris Illich. That's where you want to direct your frustration to, in my opinion. But for your question, people overreact about Casey Mize. Absolutely. It's, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He's going to be fine. Give him a chance. He hasn't even pitched a full year in the, like the majors yet. Like just like, just relax, you know, it's going to be fine. He's going to have some growing pains. And I'd rather have his growing pains right now up in the majors than in AAA. And I think there's even more guys that I would I wish would get more of that opportunity, uh, especially on the offensive side of things. I wish they'd be up here instead of down there. But that's another argument. But, yeah, to, to your point exactly, I think this is way being over overblown and people just got to chill out a bit. Alex, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know that's a very interesting stat that I had not, like, looked at ahead of today seeing it on on twitter um but i do think you know it's all it's all second time third time through the order issues which comes to me not that the stuff isn't good because obviously guys aren't hitting it the first time they see it um it's more pitch sequencing and is he confident enough to to hit the strike zone in some of those uh tougher tougher at bat situations and i think those are uh, relatively simple adjustments to make. Um, and I, I think that, you know, uh, Fetter is the right pitching coach to work with him to make those adjustments. And we just got to give that time to work out. You brought about you. Well, you know, I watched pretty much every pitch today. Um, yes. he Long-term he's going to be okay. He's, he's a talented guy. Um, he's going to be most of what we projected back in the day. I don't know if he's going to be a true number one, but he's going to be a very solid number two maybe a number one pitcher. I just think it's amazing right now when he does make a mistake, it's getting tattooed. I mean, he's learning his lessons uh, in the major leagues right now. Uh, that pitch he threw today to Louis Garcia that knocked in two runs, it was just, it was a nothing cement mixer. Of uh, They said it was a splitter. Maybe it was, I don't know. But it just kind of sat there. And he made an adjustment, which is what I liked. He came back the next inning. He threw that same pitch, and it was burying in the dirt. And it was really had some nice down motion to it. I'm wondering if they, you know, is that an adjustment he consciously made during the game? I hope so, because that's going to be part of the whole maturation process as we move forward. But, yeah, he pitched a decent game, and that's a good lineup. He had the shadows in his favor, just like Rodon did uh, early on, and he made good use of it. Uh, so it was it was a good solid game. You know, Mickey made a, it wasn't an error, but he misplayed one, so it could have been six innings, two runs. Uh, we'll take that every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Hey, Chris, what were you saying about the quality starts earlier? Oh yeah, yeah, I think it's his second career quality start, uh, which is yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I'd like to see dig in a little bit deeper to see what his stats are in terms of like the number of walks and hit batters that second time through the order, because mm-hmm. that would make me wonder a little bit if maybe as he gets tired. He might lose a little bit of his command, but, uh, but yeah, you know, and I'm as guilty as anybody. I like to stir the pot a little bit. So I went out and I showed the, <laughs> I think I showed the career ERAs of starters first 11 <laughs> or top 10 picks through their first 11 starts. And he had like the fourth worst ever just, you know, I like to, uh, stir it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I think he's going to be fine. I, I, Brandon day over at best bless you boys wrote a really good article about, you know, what, what his issues have been basically. And it's, it's basically, uh, he throwing bad pitches with two strikes mm. and the splitter, not dropping when it needs to like a lot of times it just ends, ends up there uh floating and, and we actually looked at baseball savant you can look at they have kind of nice little heat maps there and you see the most common spot for his splitter is like up and away to left-handed batters which i don't think is ideal and it's actually the exact same spot where his sinker goes the most often and, mm-hmm. and as we were saying earlier like basically 
if you throw a, a, a splitter that doesn't drop, it's an 88 mile an hour sinker, which is among the worst pitches you could possibly throw. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think he's learning that Major League Baseball is very hard. And we've seen we see the flashes of him looking really good. And, and there will be outings where he looks awesome, I think, and other outings where he's going to struggle. And it's just going to be that way for hopefully not for too many seasons. But, you know, it takes guys time to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and Go ahead, Uber. I'm really – as I watch, it's really interesting. Like, when he throws his curveball, to me, whether if it's his motion, he seems like he has so much more arm speed. Um, then, then when he throws that splitter, he, sometimes he just looks a little slow to me to the plate. And then he'll have a pitch where, man, he really whips that arm through there. And I'm like, well, where is that? And I think back to that Houston start. Man, I was just impressed with his arm, his arm speed all night long. He, he just looked like he had a more jump to everything that night. And I, hopefully he can find that. Yeah, and I think the biggest takeaway from what I've, what I've been seeing about Casey Myers too, is that it seems like, he is getting comfortable. He's not just relying on the splitter. And, and I, I believe mm-hmm. it was Alex, you mentioned the, the Chris Fetter effect there where he is mixing his pitches there. And, and it's across the board too, which is something that I mean, both you gentlemen have talked about this too, about pitch design and being aggressive and attacking the top of the zone. And that's something that I've been impressed with, with the entire starting staff, the bullpen, mm-hmm. different story. But I think the, the next thing I wanted to bring up too, is that AJ Hinch mentioned about, putting Michael Fulmer back into the bullpen, which I think, you know, I thought as a starter, I'll start with you, Chris, I thought that was a good idea to put him. I think it's a good idea to put him back in the bullpen, but why? I understand why, because they don't really have a good right-hander right now outside of scenario to go to. Yeah, I think when you look at the weakness on the team right now, other than uh, not hitting ever, uh, the bullpen (laughs) has been kind of a weakness. Uh, It's, it's, Soto has been fine. He's he's hasn't you know hasn't been dominating when he goes out there in the key moments, but he's still getting the job done for the most part. And Cisnero has been pretty good, aside from a couple home runs. But yeah, you, you, Buck Farmer hasn't been great, and anybody else out there just you, Garcia is okay. They bring him in, in in key moments, and he seems to get out of it. But yeah, they they need somebody who can go out there and give you a, multiple good strong innings, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what he did. I I was happy, like I was excited when he got a start again and pitched well. You know, the five innings, uh, and, and he almost got out of it with no runs at all. I was like, this is awesome. You know, you have him be a starter again. But for what the team needs right now, I think it does make more sense to have him be kind of your bulk reliever. And also, like we were talking before, that it, there's a lot of talk about them managing the innings of Mize and Scooble this year, but they still kind of have to do that with Fulmer, too, because he only threw like 29 innings last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's – and what about you, Luke? I mean, where, where do you see Fulmer long-term in your – Boy, I feel like I've gone back and forth on this because I've said to Alex before, I like I just feel like going into the season, Michael Fulmer was kind of like so three seasons ago. I just feel like he's kind of been the, the long forgotten man, but I'm glad he has. He's made me eat my words because I've been really impressed with him thus far this season. And at first I was I didn't really want them to pull get him I didn't want them to pull him from the bullpen and throw him as like these spot starts. But that's where he's been doing the bulk of his work this season. It's been fairly impressive. So I'm kind of undecided. If he goes back to the bullpen, great. Kind of like what Chris was saying, they need a good right-handed arm because right now it's pretty pretty lackluster with our relievers in general coming out of the pen. So if they can put him in there and it's a little bit more stability, a little bit more, uh, it would give me some comfort seeing him come in in a situation given how he's pitched mm-hmm. thus far. I'm game for it. And kind of how you guys have been saying, the issue right now is not the starting pitching. We've talked about this a lot on our show. I'm, I am super 
supremely impressed with the starting pitching thus far all across the board. Even Urania, who I was not big on at all in his first few couple starts, has really made me eat my words in his most recent couple of starts because he just has looked completely different in his last three starts as opposed to those first couple. So he's been great. Best Matthew Boyd has ever looked, I think, ever this year. I'm so happy for him. Good dude on and off the field. It's great to see. My Scooble's still going through some growing pains, but even they've been you know, pretty good at times, and especially that Casey Mage at the Houston start. Um, uh, Turnbulls look good, so starting pitching is not the issue. Uh, for, for me, it's the, the bullpen and, yeah, this thing called offense. I don't know uh, what we're going to do about that, but it's okay. We'll, we'll figure it out later. But, yeah, I think Fulmer to the pen, if it happens, great. If he stays in the rotation, I'm cool with it either way. Right now he's pitching good, so whatever he keeps doing to pitch at that level that he's at right now, mm-hmm. I'm game. He can, he can hit two if he wants at this point. I don't care. Alex, what about you? Yeah, I, I I like kind of what they've been doing with Fulmer right now, and I do think going back to the pen is good as we try and get Scooble more comfortable stretching out into games and going deep. Um, you know, when he comes in in the situations that he's coming in the third, there's a cap on when he when the game's going to run out uh, on him, and he's got to come back out of the game. So it's nice to see them use Fulmer in that way. I think he can settle into a nice bullpen role uh, really well because yeah, well we don't have right now we have a couple of guys that we can we can count on to get that third out most of the time um but we don't necessarily have anybody who can come in in those middle innings when uh the the starter has lost the game at some point um in the fourth or fifth uh and cover us for those middle innings uh without us completely depleting the bullpen yeah, it's gonna it, it to have that kind of option out there to and even with mm-hmm. what I like about Fulmer's too is that he's been in his velocity increase. I mean, in spring training we saw that drop and then everybody was kind of concerned, but then ninety six, ninety seven on regular and deeper before we move on because I have to also eat my words about Urena because I thought he would be <laughs> the bullpen honestly because that slider I that wasn't that wasn't pitch he had before right Chris I mean that slider was something well yeah I mean he was always pretty much a, a two seamer. Sinker slider guy, yeah, yeah, but it wasn't. Um, I don't know. Yeah, he, he it just he's not a swing and miss guy for the most part, yeah. really. It, it, it's uh, uh, there are times when he's so wild that it seems like yeah, you got to put him in the bullpen. But when he's throwing strikes, I mean, what was it, fifteen ground outs the other day? And, and his last two were flyouts, which means I guess he was getting tired. But fifteen ground ball outs was the most by a Tigers pitcher mm-hmm. in like four years. He was just they they could not lift that ball. And that's that's valuable. I mean, we saw even when your infield defense makes five errors, uh, somehow you, know, you roll up four double plays, and uh, it's all good. Just like AJ Hinch drew it up, five errors, but they still get the dub. And honestly, more credit to Urania because we know the White Sox are a team that can mash the ball, and guaranteed right field is a great hitter's park. So the fact that he was able to contain those White Sox, even mm-hmm. you add into that the five errors that his defense completely just decided to take the night off, It's a, it was a very impressive start. And I, I'm right yeah. there with you, Roger. I, I mean, Urania's really kind of these last few starts, he's really – I, I got to tip my cap to him. I've been very impressed. Yeah, three innings of seven hit, three starts with seven or more innings. It's something that we have. It's not. It's a. It's a unicorn around here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're kind mm-hmm. of uh, accustomed to what we saw before with Porcello, Verlander. Those guys went six or seven innings without a problem, and now it's been the end of a struggle since going back to 2016, 2017. So, but uh, you know, you what about you before we we move on? What were we gonna say? Well, with Urania, uh, it's gonna be very interesting uh, when you look back. Chris and I were looking at stats a couple months ago. I think we found Urena is one of the guys who pitches up and in uh, more than just about anybody. Uh, is that kind of what keeps people off him? 
off his pitches that are more you know, over the plate uh, and gets them beating into the ground because they're just not you know laying in there for it because they had a little bit of doubt. And it'll be interesting to see if he starts anything this summer. And he had the run-ins with uh, Ronald Acuna uh, mm-hmm. back in the National League. Oh, yeah. Because let's face it, sometimes if, if he's going up and in too often, there's going to be some heated days. So that'll be something to keep an eye on this year. And then for Fulmer, love watching it. He's making me eat my words. I wrote something back in the – in the spring, I think I, I was so creative. I called it plumbing to depths because he's a plumber, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's, he's certainly shown me more than I was expecting. So now it's really just a matter of keeping him healthy because he never has been able to. I mean, the long list of injuries. Um, so as long as we don't see him on the IL, it's pretty encouraging stuff. So right now, uh, Keel, I would all I, I'm pausing to see because I got the game on. What's going on with the? I'm looking at it too. Yeah, it's been I've been waiting for the seventh pitch for a while now. It's the three-two count to Badu mm-hmm. with Ramos on first, and Badu called out on strikes. Uh, all right. Well, hey, it's it. uh, it's now it's time for the inside the numbers. <laughs> it's time for Rogelio and Chris to go inside the numbers. I just realized I said the name of the segment, and you guys both are professionals, so you guys know what I mean by when I just announced the name of the segment after or, or before I played the sounder. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, all right. So it's time for inside the numbers. And I don't know if you guys have a number or not you want to go with, but uh, you guys are guests. You have a number you want to throw out there. Alex, you want to go numbers guy? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the run differential. I'm trying to – I lost it. I had it, and I just completely lost it. I guess I could do the math. I'm looking it, at it. It's bad. Thir- 30, 35, 37, 35, I got to stop using baseball reference. It's always outdated. The run differential is terrible. Let me go with that. Um, (laughs) um, It's yeah, it's, it's bad. It's so bad um, that they're, and like the weird thing is I don't, it's a weird number because when I like watch these games, I'm frustrated by the lack of offense, but I also don't feel like they're getting blown out a lot. But then I look at the run differential and I'm like, it clearly, cause they're getting there. The bullpen's coming in and getting tagged for two or three at the end of the game. Uh, when the game was, you know, two, one into the eighth and then game over. Cause you can't overcome that run differential. So yeah, I'm going with the run differential wherever it currently stands. Still nothing, nothing in, in Chicago at the moment, but that's a good one. All right. Uh, Chris, you got one? I, I do. It's uh, kind of boring compared to my usual ones, but it's two, uh, which happened to be my favorite number as a kid. But it's also the number of times that already the Tigers have been swept in a four-game series this year. Oh, <laughs> which, God. Uh, <laughs> I was curious how often that happens. <laughs> it doesn't seem like something that would happen that often, but I look back. So it happened once last year. So this year it was uh, Kansas City and Oakland. Last year it happened uh, at the White Sox. Uh, and then in 2019, they did it three times at Oakland, at Cleveland, and at Seattle. Yes. And twice in 2018 at Cleveland and at Oakland. Some some usual suspects in here. Three times in 2017. Seattle, Cleveland, and Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, it's not all that uncommon, but uh, they've done it awfully early. You're twice in the first 23 games. And I was looking to see if that's ever happened before. And I made it back to, like, 1995 before I gave up. So... It's probably happened, but it's been a long ass time. So that's my <laughs> official uh, opinion of that. Um, but uh, yeah, so they do have seven more four game sets this year. So maybe they can, maybe they can make it three or four. You bro, what's yours? 
Okay, I was a little surprised by this number, but this may be more generally widely known than I think. So I'm going to ask you guys. The number is 275. That is the most extra base hits for any player over the last five seasons, including this year. Who you got? Oh, interesting. Mm. In all of baseball, I'm assuming we're yes. talking? Yes, okay. five seasons. Including so far this year, last five seasons. 275. 275 was... I, I guess I would have guessed Christian Yelich, maybe. Tim Anderson? Nope, and no. I'll go one more. Can we, can we get a league they play in? American League yeah. or National League? I love <laughs> multiple choice on quizzes. They have played in both <laughs> over these five years. Oh, Nick Castellanos? Yes. Oh, oh, very nice. nice. The Devils, man. Nick Castellanos. Loves Comerica Park, I hear. Loves oh. it. <laughs> It's impressive. I, you know, I've been watching a fair, not a fair amount, but I've been watching the Reds a bit. Um, mostly because I love those red jerseys with the Reds. In the and also because you live in Iowa and there's the only game you can watch, right? Well, this is very true. We're blacked out on everything. <laughs> so I have seen a lot of Knicks at bats. Oh, he is just getting better and better and better. It's impressive. His, his plate coverage is awesome. I mean, it's really hard to get uh, breaking stuff by him these days. Uh, it's, it's fun to watch. I wish he was still... With Detroit, but obviously that wasn't going to be. But uh, he's really matured into something else. I am shocked the Cubs let him walk still. Like yeah. that is that is mind boggling to me. Being I was obviously from the Chicagoland area, not a Cub fan, but watched many many Cub games, and I was stunned when mm -hmm. they let him walk. He just he just fit in there so well when he got dealt in 2019. I was I was shocked they let him go, but that's on them. So it is what it is. Yeah, and everybody talks about that he doesn't walk. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> he is. I don't care. Like it's, and it's becoming a norm now too, that you see this now where guys with high strikeout rates, but they can mash the ball. And I know that the, eventually the walk rate will come back. I understand. But if you can live under five or 6%, I mean, look at Tim Anderson. He won the batting credit with what? 2.9 walk rate or something like that. Ridiculous. And so um, my inside number this week is involving a rookie that hasn't been really talked about on here. I know we, I don't think you've, I don't think you've brought him up, um, Chris, maybe. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Is uh, Alonis Garcia. Oh, no, and the reason why I bring him up is because he has a number that it stands out that his he's got right now a barrel rate 20.5. He's got eight barrels already. <laughs> That's just it, it, absurd. And this is a guy who's just had a couple cup of coffee. He's a, a former Cuban national player. He's 28 years old, so he's an unconventional rookie. Um He's just been doing really, he's been hitting the ball hard. It's in the 71% per, percentile of the part hit, but just that barrel rate, 20.5. And there's, I mean, the Rangers right now, in terms of from a standpoint of pitching standpoint, are not really getting a lot, but offensively, this guy has already had five home runs, 13 RBIs, and they're getting production from somebody that more likely weren't expecting. So that barrel rate just pops out. So that's also a good defender, too. I think, yeah, he's a very good defender. He's, uh, He's kind of had that Randy um, a Rosarena? Yeah, a Rosarena kind of feel to him. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those Cuban national players have that, like 6-1, but they're just yeah, like just jack. Well, jacked. Well, a Rosarena, didn't he – he couldn't do anything, so he just did push-ups, like 300 push-ups every day? Yeah. Or something like <laughs> 300 push-ups 
every hour or 3,000. Something crazy. It was like you did Herschel Walker. Like, you yeah. know how uh, Herschel Walker got that big without using machines. Ever. Yeah, because he was just a lonely loser. Right? And he's just doing... <laughs> well, doing MMA fighting at 50 years old. Man, that guy yeah, he's not a loser anymore. He, <laughs> oh, no, no. He, oh, yeah. he, uh, he sat in his way. Call Herschel Walker a loser. Him. Good luck. Because <laughs> <laughs> he hears this, he's like, yeah. where, where are you guys yeah. at? Let's go. Yeah. 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 That's just where it was. <laughs> All right, so that's our inside the numbers for this week, and now this is now for this. I'm not gonna screw this up. I know I'm not gonna do that. The good. Oh, that's good. The bad. Oh, that's bad. And the ugly. Oh, and I'm proud. All right, yeah, we got we spent a little money on production and uh, this this past off season and used the money for the savings onto you <laughs> as uh, with no minor league season last year. And a little bit extra money in the budget to get some uh, special effects done. Now it's time for the good, the bad, the ugly. Youper, I'm going to let you kick this off. All right. My good this week. And again, this happens when your team is in last place for several years. Um, Baseball America and MLB Pipeline, both with mock drafts this week. So it is officially mock draft season. And I am here for it. I love it. Um, I'm all about mocks. I have friends of mine who get mad at me when I pay attention to them. I tell them to go mock themselves. It's just, <laughs> I'm telling you. That's a good pun. <laughs> hey, I'm all about, I'm here for the puns too. Let me hey, I love it. Uh, got me for that. So um, it's going to be really fun as we go forward here. Um, it's just a lot of speculation. We go in college, we go in high school. Uh, then we're going to start getting those wonderful reports where so-and-so's GM was in to see somebody. And they go, ooh, that's always a... Always a good one, a uh, good lead. So that's just my fun. I, I enjoy it. Uh, I know it's kind of silly. They don't mean anything. Uh, nothing matters until the draft happens, but I love mock drafts either. Uh, bad. Did you see the game, St. Louis versus the Phillies, where Harper mm-hmm. got hit in the face? Next pitch, mm-hmm. Glorious takes it in the middle of the back. I think uh, Genesis Cabrera. And the umps give a warning, you know. And totally shut that down. I did not blame uh, Girardi for losing his mind. <laughs> it was just brutal. Um, you know, that's where sometimes we don't want people headhunting. I get it. You know, I'm an ump for that. For the, if the guys don't know, I, I do amateur umpiring. Um, we don't want that. But at, at some point at that level, they need to be able to protect themselves and right. to answer back on that kind of stuff as long as they do it the right way. And I, and I know the umpires want to keep a lid on it, but that, I thought that was very poor. Um, and then I also want to tell everybody listening, Mercyhurst College, this is really going way far afield. These umpires, you can find the video online. It's at YouTube. They changed a call, a ball strike call. Um, the base umpire called a meeting. They, they changed a call, which – is against the rules in every rule set imaginable. But it was the most fun thing watching the college manager lose his mind. And it was such a small crowd, you could hear the whole thing. So I encourage everybody to go out and see that video on YouTube for Mercyhurst College. It's just the greatest thing ever. And uh, just a, a complete mess by the umpires. Monumental, terrible, um, ugly for us and for them. Uh, it's good for the Dodgers. It's ugly for us. Here are the guys they have on the DL, or the IL, excuse me, pitchers. Corey Knebel, David Price, Tommy Canely, Brother Gratterall, 
Joe Kelly, Tony Gonsolin. Those are guys that are not playing. And look where they are in the line. We would take, you know, and I shouldn't do, I said, we, Raj, sorry, I, I owe a dollar. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the Tigers would take all those guys and put them on the staff right now. Even if they're hurt, they'll pitch them. And we're, you know, in, in our bullpen, that'd be better. So that's really just a, really a showcase for what the Dodgers have in terms of their ability to uh, build up depth and utilize their cash and the power of their market and their ownership. Uh, they have a, a lineup like that of guys they're not even using. Sorry, I was distracted by also um, there was some breaking news on the Tigers game that I just put on the screen and everybody kind of looked in just pissed offness. Uh, <laughs> Matt Boyd has been taken off the field after he allowed a double uh, that was uh, hit by Andrew Vaughn. So, um, it, it, give me an update yet? Uh, from the update desk, Chris. And Matthew Boyd called the trainer to the mound after a pitch. He's leaving the game. Mm-hmm. Boyd. <sighs> Michael Fulmer. Huh. Enter, enter Michael Fulmer. Yep. There yep. you go. Well, that's just. They look themselves out, don't they? That uh, is just the worst. So, wow. Hope he's okay. I didn't. I'm not watching the game. I didn't see it, so I hope he's all right. Yeah, I didn't. None of us are saying that. Not to be not not to yeah. not to be a liar here, but my good was going to be Matthew Boyd and how well he's pitched. <laughs> I was going to fanboy over him for like a minute, and my bad and ugly was going to be just the Tigers' offense. But now I think I'm just going to change my good, bad, and ugly just to Matthew Boyd if he's hurt. So I think I'm going to cover my bases there. <laughs> oh, yeah, you definitely covered yeah. a bit. Uh, very appropriate. Yeah, it's uh, especially too when you see the Tigers were out looking at Animal Sanchez, uh, at least the start. So now all of a sudden it's like, uh... <laughs> Alex, 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 why are we gonna repeat that? Why, why are we going back down that why road? Are you dick, Roger, it's unnecessary. Come on, man. Good God. It just it just happened. Well, what you know are you doing? I mean, at this point, I wouldn't trust Alavila to manage a little Caesars. What is happening? <laughs> we uh, so Boyd was the one who called him out there. Nobody saw anything, so maybe he just had some uh, like hot wings before the game. And, Let's uh, hope. Yeah, there's a moment of trepidation out there for him. Does Little Caesars do hot wings? And I know they're in Chicago right now, but uh, maybe he's too, maybe yeah. found like a small stand near guaranteed rate. Maybe at White Chicago Sox dog with the peppers. Yeah, on it. I mean, yeah, White White Sox Park does have really good food, so maybe he had like one of those helmet full of nachos in between innings, yeah. and he's just battling a little IBS right now. And yeah, if so, good for him. If it's anything more serious than that, Matthew, sorry for kind of making jokes right now. No, hopefully, guys, the best. Hopefully, he's all right. Um, let's see. I can do mine. Let's yeah, see, my, well, yeah. So mine is yeah, not related to that at all. But my good is is Tyler Molly. I don't know if anybody knows him. Uh, he's a pitcher for the, the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, it is funny if you look at the strikeout per nine leaderboards right now, you see a lot of names that look you would expect, like you know Garrett Cole, Jacob Degrom, Shane Bieber, Corbin Burns this year, uh, Trevor Bauer, and then eighth is Tyler Molly, the pitcher for the Reds, and uh, yeah, he's he's at twelve point six two strikeouts per nine this year which I did not see coming. And he's continuing a breakout that, that appears to have started a little bit last year. And this, this very much seems like a Kyle body production. You know, the, the Reds brought in Kyle body from driveline uh, to their pitching coordinator or whatever. And mm-hmm. in the last, since 2018, his fastball velocity is up two and a half miles per hour average four seam, uh, which seems like a lot. And his spin rate is up almost 400 RPMs over the last three or four years. So uh, I mean, there's some questions about how you can do that, but it's, it's entirely possible that he just was not throwing the ball correctly. 
but yeah, the added velo seems to be helping his splitter more than anything else. His splitter has the most horizontal movement of any pitch, any horse, uh, any splitter in, in the majors right now. And yeah, so he's rocking a, a one six two or one seven five ERA through five starts right now. One of the the better starts of the year, and he's just twenty six. And that could be like a huge breakout because the NL Central is just wide open this year. So if he can come in there and help that staff, because I think Luis Castillo is, has not been good or he's been hurt or something. But uh, Yeah, it's been hurt, yeah. So that, yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a huge help for them. Uh, my bad is Kenta Maeda of the oh. Twins. Now, we, we talk, we're, we're going to touch on the Twins a little bit. Uh, certainly his struggles are one of the reasons they haven't been great so far. But uh, he's, yeah, he's off to a really bad start. I, I think he'll be fine eventually. But right now his strikeout rate is down 15% from last year which seems like a lot. I mean, we're talking small samples here, but still, that's a lot. And his ERA is sitting at 6.56 six after five starts. That's uh, – and he does have a 3.72 betting average on balls in play, so obviously that will, will come down. But one of the issues is he's given up seven home runs already in, I think, 25 innings after giving up nine last year in 60 innings. So something's, something's not right, and it looks like it's his slider. It's really an issue right now. Uh, the batter's are slugging 7.73 against his slider. So basically averaging a triple every time they come to the plate, which doesn't seem ideal. And, and what's interesting is I was looking at baseball savant and you can see we're talking about this the other day. You can see pitcher extension, you know, how far down the mound they are when they let go of the ball. And, and last year, all his pitches were at six feet or 6.1 feet. And this year they're all at 5.7 or 5.8 feet, which is just a difference of a couple inches, but it suggests that there's either something mechanically wrong, or maybe there's a little injury in there that we don't know about, or he maybe he doesn't even know about. That's something that's, that's keeping him from extending himself all the way and getting that finish on his pitches. So uh, I don't know. That's something to, to watch going forward. And my ugly, and uh, you just mentioned this, D.D. Gregorius. Uh, it's pretty ugly all around for him right now. He's currently owns a negative point two WAR on the season. You know, the Phillies brought him in to be their shortstop this year again, and he's not hitting for power and he's not walking. And he's not playing good defense. That's uh, not a great combination there. Now, he's never been a guy who walked a ton, but his walk rate is half of what it usually is so far this year. He's only got two homers. And he's among the worst defenders in baseball, which is not ideal for your, your shortstop. He's at negative six defensive run save this year, which is the worst. And he's tied for second worst uh, in, in outs above average, which is you know baseball savants uh, defensive metric. He's only ahead of Eugenio Suarez, who was, of course, the third baseman playing shortstop. So... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of ugly. If you can't hit, <laughs> I mean, that's his whole thing. He's a shortstop because he can hit for power at shortstop. If he doesn't hit for power, then he's not a shortstop, and I don't know what he's doing. Well, it's kind of like when uh, Wilson Ramos can't catch and he's a catcher. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the, it, yeah. The, the stabbing thing, like the, the catches, everybody's been Yeah, you know, it's almost like I just wish the Tigers had like this really good, highly touted defensive prospect just kind of hanging around in Toledo who maybe just needs a little help with the bat. And if only could get some big league at bats under his belt. If only they had that guy just linger around. I think his name might be uh, Mike or Mitch or Jake. Jake and Jake like Kenny right. Rogers. Jake Rogers. Do I have his name right? Man, I hear he's pretty good. Rake Rogers. Rake Rogers. Thank you, Alex. I thought that's what his name was. Yes. Rake Joggers. We saw him two weeks ago in Toledo. And he still had the mustache thing going. So mm-hmm. I love the stash. Hilarious. Yeah, he, still had, he still had that going. And he he had a single. He had a couple hits. Right. He had, he had a uh, like a two run double down the line yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, it's he looks like he can hit triple A pitching. I, I just it's one of those things where like I wasn't that impressed with his defense when he came up two years ago. His arm was great, yeah. but he wasn't. You know, it didn't seem like he was great at uh, you know blocking and receiving. Yeah. And 
you've got two different coaching staffs now that have viewed him as not, you know, not a viable backup, at least to mm-hmm. start the season. And so I, I just want to say, like, I don't know, it's something that, that we often find. And I think we, we've kind of been sold a bill of goods, not necessarily by the, the organization, just, you know, the scouts or, or the public evaluators. And, and I talk about it with Casey Mize all the time. Like Casey Mize was supposed to have like plus command, at least if not plus plus command. And he just doesn't. And I don't know if he ever will. He looks, he's got good stuff. But it was, you know, plus command in college. It's not in, in pro ball. And and again, I, I don't necessarily blame any talent evaluators or scouts or anything like that. That's just the way it goes. Sometimes it doesn't work out. And, and I think Jake Rogers, his defense, I don't know if it's good enough to overcome his offensive deficiencies. But it, at the same time, it Grayson Greiner. So, yeah. I would just like hurt. to see – I feel like I talked about this the last time Alex and I were on the show with you guys. Like, I just would like to see some of these guys we've heard about for many years just get a chance – I'm not no, saying absolutely. a guy you call – I'm not saying like you've called up a guy like a Jake Rogers or a, a Derek Hill, a Das Cameron, whoever it might be. I feel like those three guys like are now in the same group together. Like at one point in time, I was like, all right, this is the future. Here we go. And then it's like, eh, well, maybe the future's already coming by and past us. Yeah. Like like that's that's kind of how I feel with those three guys. And, you know, the offense is so putrid right now. The way I look at it is like, why not? I mean, what, what could they do that is worse than what we're seeing right now? You're telling me – they couldn't send down Victor Reyes, you know, for for a little bit and give Derek Hill a shot for a week just to see what happens. If it's awful, great. We tried it. We gave him some. We gave him a shot and didn't work out. But you are right though with the Wilson Ramos kind of this thing that whole spark plug this thing. I think you want to keep the bat great because he is one of the I guess better hitters on the team right now if you want to say that. But what he's doing behind the plate defensively is gross. I think that I think the other night he threw out. Um, I don't remember was it Tim Anderson? I think he threw out and it was. His second put out oh, on yeah, twelve attempts. I thought it was on Monday against the Sox. I could be wrong oh, okay. though. Oh yeah. Did, oh, who, who threw out Whit Merrifield last week? Was it him or? I, that was. Yeah. Yeah, anyways, I, I it was. I think yeah. it was the Sox game Monday. Maybe it wasn't Tim Anderson. Whoever it was, it said his stat. I thought they could have sworn it said he two. He was two for twelve on the year. So really good stuff from really great stuff from Wilson with that, the two for 12. I mean, that's exactly what I was hoping for when they brought him in, but I get keeping his bat. Cause he's the veteran. And what, what, what does he call himself? The Buffalo. It's not a bad nickname. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. But uh, defensively, I just, I I'm not impressed, but it is what it is. Yeah, Especially when you see the strike zone being so inconsistent across the board and uh, the, the Casey Myers got mm-hmm. hosed earlier. Mm-hmm. That call that before it was a single earlier, mm-hmm. but uh We'll get to the minor leagues. I do want to. I do want to ask your opinion about that because uh, between the roster and, and some of the players that are in Toledo, but mm-hmm. my good this week is Nate Lowe, and this is a guy who I wrote an article about back in December, who I thought the Tigers should target as a first baseman opportunity because you can see the writing on the wall that Tampa was going to get trade him, and of course Texas went for him, and he's done nothing but rake. Uh, right now he's got six home runs, his max x velocity is one thirteen point nine. He's also got nine barrels. He's at a barrel rate of 13.8%. And I mean, an XBA of 271. And he's just, he's, he's doing exactly what Texas needs him to do. And this is a guy who was on the market and I honestly would have, and it's against everything too. He does, does well against uh, fastballs, breaking balls. It doesn't matter. And I thought that Nate Lowe would have been a good opportunity for the Tigers to at least give something just to, to fill the void for first base for a while, because at the time of, you know, if you think about it, everybody's been talking about Spencer Torkelson playing third, and he's still technically going to play third, I guess. I, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but <laughs> Nate Lowe would have been, he's 25 years old. He's a perfect, he's an SEC kid, which Tigers love picking guys from the SEC. Kind of profile that I thought the Tigers would go after. 
didn't happen and he's already off to a good start in Texas. My bad, and I haven't done this in a while, and so it's going to sound really bad and ugly are both Tigers related. So the bad is the lack of coordination ever put out of the minor league rosters today. I went to the Royals website. The Royals Twitter had all four rosters on a nice little picture, and this is inspired by uh, Tiger minor league group. Tiger minor league. uh, Tracker. Yeah, Kian. Yeah, Kian. I just want to make sure he inspired this because we're talking about this in our DMs. And you could tell all four teams what was going on, who they were, and everything. I go to write up an article today, three different uh, three different articles, three different ways to format it, and nothing about Lakeland. And come to find out, too, that Lakeland doesn't have a social media person. They haven't done anything since October. You can't send somebody to help them out? What the hell? Come on. I mean, seriously. what does yeah. it, You know what I mean? Like, I shouldn't, as a guy who writes for a blog and does a podcast – I should not be outworking you. I shouldn't. You make more money than I do. Come on. Get the hell out of here. Roger, it makes you feel any better. I'm about three and a half hours away from Lakeland. I will start commuting every day to give you updates if that'll make you sleep better at night. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to Lakeland May, May 11th. I'll be doing it myself. Probably. You yeah. you might be at this point. Yeah. It's just, it's, you know, and there was not a coordinated effort with that. And for somebody who covers minor leagues, you're looking for information. I mean, a low can tiger John because this guy is a Twitter follower and I get more information to him than I do the team mm-hmm. and the ugly. And this is, again, this is something that I, I saw that just shake my head. The housing, the tigers were one of five teams that did not pay for the housing for the tiger, for the t- players down the alt site. One of five teams. They didn't pay for their housing. Chris Illich is an asshole. <laughs> I can't stand him. I can't stand him. He's such a douche. I mean, come on. Go ahead, Chris. No, I mean, I, I, not that I don't want to defend him, but I almost feel like he's just completely disconnected from everything. Like he doesn't want to know anything. So they just run whoever's there is running things. And, and he's just like, eh, whatever. Like, I don't think he's sitting there going, don't pay those minor leaguers. I think he's just like, yeah, save me money. And that's it. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it's, it's hard to he's know. He's like, I'm trying to buy a casino in Atlantic City. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have time to worry about an apartment. Yeah, I don't have time to worry about where Isak Paredes is sleeping tonight. I have a casino to put in place. <laughs> I, I, like one thing that's been one thing that's been noted. I've been noticing a lot on Tiger's Twitter lately. I think it's because everyone is just so fed up with the front office. There's been a lot more. I feel like language and just overall posting about the stark comparison just the polar opposites between Mike and Chris Illich, like how mm-hmm. Mike Illich just he eat, he, he would eat, sleep, breathe for the Tigers, you know, city of Detroit in general, and how Chris Illich is like, we've said, he's just like, not even, I, I think it's kind of, you know, see no evil, hear no evil, whatever it is. Like, you know, like he's just completely out of sight, out of mind. So just something to kind of think about there, but yeah. Yeah. And that's crazy. I didn't know that story. Honestly, Roger, thank you. Yeah. I didn't, I did not know about that. That's crazy. Yeah. I retweeted on the Tiger Mile report. It's like, do better, Detroit, because yeah. it's true. It's it's something that you look, there's Toledo, there's the cost of living in Toledo is not insane. It's not Chicago, it's not New York, it's Toledo. No offense yeah. to anybody in the great city of Toledo, because Toledo, Glass City, awesome. Tony Pacos, love that. I love Toledo. Wow, cheap. It's not very expensive to live there. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, you're in Monroe. I mean, even Monroe, like the Michigan, the bordering county nearby, which is like 10, 15 minutes away. Cost of living is insanely cheap. I, yeah. I don't get it. They say Boyd left the game due to an injured knee. Ooh. Ooh. Right. Know, that could be. Getting, you know, who knows what that could, that could be. be anything. Yeah. 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 And uh, speaking of the minor leagues, and you you mentioned this, Luke. So this kind of goes right into the Toledo. The Toledo roster came out today. 
still not a lot of surprises there. It's gonna be a, lot, a veteran lace roster mm-hmm. under new manager Tom Prince, and so the, the, the in terms of uh, Zach Short getting some time up here in Detroit, which we saw, and then Paredes, which we end up seeing last week, he he didn't really. He, I don't think he really did well at the plate. He, he, did, he, he rolled on over on a couple of grounders to the third baseman, and the third baseman made two errors, which was kind of funny. Uh, and then he hit a he hit a sack fly to deep center field. That was about the the hardest ball I've seen him hit in a long time. But yeah, he I don't know. Yeah, he looked like a guy who didn't really want to be playing scrimmages in a empty AAA stadium. <laughs> he, looked, he, looked, he, honestly, he looked like he was over it. Yeah, same thing with Derek Hill, who yeah. just same thing. Like, it was like and in. You can tell the the, the abilities there, but uh, it, it, there was no Daz Cameron. We didn't see Daz Cameron either, which we thought was strange. No. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what's going on there because he had COVID last summer, so yeah. I don't think it was like another COVID. And wasn't guy. he battling an injury going into spring too? If I'm yeah, not mistaken, yeah, yeah, yeah shoulder thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I saw in Puerto Rico, I think. Yeah, and I don't I don't mean to be rude, but I have to hop off here in just a second. But yeah. um, I did see the rosters, and I think everything you kind of said in terms of just like the veteran presence. It's the same. It's the same crew. It's the same crew that we're pretty much used to at this point in time. It's the usual suspects. You know, they're all there. I mean, I think the the real bread and butter is where looking at the guys like where Torque is and everything like that because they're the, they're the future of it all. But mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah, think it's Michigan's gonna yeah. be good. Luke, you're absolutely right. Because West and forget me if for, correct me if I'm wrong, but West Michigan is now. Uh, the main single A affiliate, correct? It's gone yeah, from Lakeland to West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hi, yeah, yeah, it's gone yep. from Lakeland to West Michigan. Cool, right? Yep. Yeah, cool, so cool. That's far. Yeah, so I know you got to go, Luke. But uh, yeah, I got to go to Lakeland and post some uh, pictures on Instagram. <laughs> <with Lions. laughs> so thank you for having me. Yeah. I hope we can do this again this soon. Oh, and sure. uh, I hope to God this team can start hitting. Yeah. So and so and and Alex, I mean, in terms of anybody, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the rosters, but anybody kind of no surprises there for you? Yeah, I mean, my my biggest. Dis- it wasn't a surprise, but my biggest disappointment was uh, that Torque started in Erie because my parents live in Lansing, and I was uh, I was very hopeful, uh, oh. dumbly, that Torque and Riley would be on the same roster for the start of the season, well, and I could go go yeah, catch Torque. them. Yeah, I could go see Torque still, but now I got to figure out agree. where yeah. I'm going to catch the Erie Seawolves. Yeah, because it's, it's out of the way before you live. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Yeah, it's yeah. I, I like they they come to Jersey um, at some point throughout the year, so hopefully I can catch them then. It's but yeah, I will definitely you know as the what the former the former Midwest League. I don't know what they've decided to call it this year, um, but yeah, I do cheer for the Lansing Lugnuts in that in that league. That's the only the only spot that I cheer against the Tigers uh, roster. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's uh, yeah no no big surprises for me about where anybody is. Um, I I think that I also don't know how long Riley will stay in Erie. I think he'll get to Toledo pretty quick. Um, and I it'll be interesting to see. My biggest question going in is is how Spencer does um, in West Michigan and how quickly he may be progresses up if he can get the get the bat working yeah i'm really concerned about that too uh uber what about you is there any surprise that came across to you no not really uh i was pretty comfortable with everything i i just want to get the game started and you know <laughs> one of the nice um one of the nice sounds to having a terrible team to follow at the major league level is you can every night look at the box scores and see someone went three for four uh you know at erie and draw a little hope from that. <laughs> so hopefully uh, that starts helping us out here next week when, when they get the AAA season and so on rolling. And, yeah, it really it just boils down to 
Uh, you know, our top five or six guys, Torkelson, Riley, and Manning, and so on down the line, Paredes. Uh, how are they doing? Are they taking steps? And then you look at the second tier, guys like uh, Brian Packard and you know, those type of fellows, do they take those small to medium steps forward and keep building a case to uh, be something to notice? Yeah, and, and for me, I think the biggest takeaway, uh, Chris, before I get to you, about the minor the minor leagues in terms of some of the roster construction was to see – it was good to see Trey Cruz and high, Mich- high West Michigan. It was good to see that even uh, the, the progression of – guys like Andre Lipkus and, and Brian Packer. But then you also look at the fact that and Lakeland wasn't officially posted, but they posted on their second round draft pick, Nick Quintana. I mean, it was just one of those things where we saw him at West Michigan and I, it was the first time I was actually doing like scouting notes. And I'm like, am I missing something? Is he just overswinging things? This is supposed to, he's supposed to be dominating, crushing it. And he, you hear less and less about him. It's almost like, don't think about him. Don't he's, think about him. Yeah, that didn't happen. Didn't happen. It's like a Jedi mind trick. This is not the second round draft pick. <laughs> this is not another Ray Riviera. This does not happen. You know? And so it's, I don't know. It was, <laughs> I, it's just like looking at it too. But then the other one I started with is, I'm not sure whether it's for the facility is Franklin Perez of West Michigan. Mm. Chris, is that, is that, is that something that facility related or that just. Uh, no, I would think that that's a, a talent related issue now i mean he's throwing high 80s um in spring training yeah i don't know what is going on there i mean i would think if there was issues they would keep him down in lakeland like right really wanted to work with closely but i don't they feel like he probably can't go to i don't know maybe it's the thing where like hey you got to prove it now you got to prove that you're worthy of double a and then worthy of triple a and then worthy of majors because i mean we're talking three plus years of him not pitching basically so um yeah it the rosters, there weren't a whole lot of surprises. There were a couple things we, we've touched on before. It was nice to see Cody Clemens in Toledo and Ryan Kreidler in Double A. Those are guys who yeah. basically made developmental jumps, or at least they're they're checking to see if they made those developmental jumps in, in a year when there were no games. And we, we started to suspect that when Kreidler was added to the spring training roster and he was playing well. And then we saw him in Toledo a couple times. He, he looked good in there. So that's to me, that's one of those things – like we talk about Quintana being down in, in, in low A. This is a guy who was a fourth-round pick two rounds after Quintana who didn't even make it out of the New York Penn League, I don't think, in 2019. He may have had a game or two at low A. But to jump all the way up to double A, it, it shows that, like, hey, they believe in this kid. And I do, too. I, I, I talk about it all the time. I think he's a utility man, and he reminds me of Don Kelly a little bit. But we were talking earlier today, when's the last time the Tigers actually got a utility man in the fourth round or later? you have to go back to like 2001 when they got Don Kelly and Ryan Rayburn. So, I mean, that would be nice. It, it's not like a superstar, but I thought that was good. And then we talked about the the quality overall of the Erie roster is, uh, is really ugly. I mean, you got, you got Riley Green and Kreidler there, but beyond that, I don't think there's another prospect. Like another Elvin Rodriguez is kind of like, hey, maybe you squint and he can be a relief arm someday, but probably not. It's, it's yeah, it's just barren. This is, I mean, this is a fourth tour duty for AJ Lagwig and Erie. I mean, yeah, I mean, and Paul Richin is there, I think, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe he can squeeze something out. But yeah, it's, it's just kind of ugly there. But at the same time, that West Michigan roster is loaded all over the place. <laughs> all the, the hitters we want to see Cabrera, Torkelson, uh, Parker Meadows is there. And then you've got pitchers that Cater Montero is in high A now. And I don't think 
I don't know if he even pitched at all in West Michigan two years ago. I think he was just in the New York Penn League. So that's another one where like, hey, this is interesting to watch to see if, if he actually made the leap. And then uh, one silly thing I noticed is that Hugh Smith is now two inches shorter than he used to be. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was always he was drafted as a six foot ten guy, and he was listed as a six foot ten guy, and now he's a six foot eight guy. So well, he's got early onset osteoporosis. I guess. Yeah. I think, <laughs> right. Well, if you, if you look at the way he sets up and hunches over when he's pitching, maybe it happened. Uh, and then the only other, the last thing I'll say, we, we talked about Quintana. The last one of these, like, hey, this is an interesting placement, was, and we don't know for sure if the Lakeland roster is real. I don't yeah. know. But it looks like Jose De La Cruz made the Lakeland roster at low A, which would be, uh, you know, he's a guy that, that a lot of people are really excited about because he, he's got some really interesting tools. And if they think he's advanced enough to handle low A, then that would be a good sign. But we don't know for sure if that's uh, true or not. But those, those were my takeaways from the minor league rosters. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's weird that we're celebrating this stuff right now, ladies and gentlemen. But I mean at the same time, the Lions just drafted an uh, offensive lineman that I've never, I, I haven't, I don't know about you, Alex, but I in terms of the more the get deeper in the baseball, the more I don't really think about other sports or mm-hmm. not involved as many sports. Like we're Chris and I are on the way back from this party this evening, and we're talking about the Pistons, and the Pistons are the only team I really keep up with. Everybody else, just like I, I got nothing. You know, it's yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, the exact same way. I and like with it with especially the NFL. Like I pay even less attention to like college football, and so as we get into the draft, talking about offensive linemen from colleges, I'm like, I have, I will just trust what the the draft commentators are telling me, and I don't trust them as far as I can throw them when it comes to baseball. But uh, <laughs> football, yeah, sure, whatever. That sounds great. <laughs> I like it. Oh, well, no, I mean, it's one of the things that we kind of touched on earlier, but one of the questions we got today is... Uh, yeah, so let's get to the questions. Steve Cook's uh, Slap Hap Cookie uh, said, uh, what year will we not suck, and what would a Troy Weaver-type GM do for the Tigers? And and what's interesting, and this goes to the, the point... Uh, shoot, I forgot his name. Oh, Alex. Alex was making... I thought it was Alex, but I didn't want to say he was Alex in the other one. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm terrible with names. I just want to let people know. Um, <laughs> the, the idea... Troy, what Troy, Troy Weaver is doing with the Pistons is they're just throwing all the young guys out there. I mean, it's different in basketball, obviously, but right. they're throwing all the young guys out there and just saying, here, you have the keys. Let's see what you can do. Just give us the effort. Mm-hmm. And you would like to kind of see that. And I feel like, and it's not necessarily with young guys, but it's more like the roster churn. Like he turned over that entire roster in one year. And you, you've seen, that's basically what we've seen in San Francisco under Farhan Zaidi. And you've seen it in other places where they just like, all right, this team's not good. Let's just, completely turn it over and see if we can get some guys. And and that's what you don't see from the Tigers. We're going on like year four or five of seeing like, hey, can Jacoby, go, uh, Jacoby Jones break out? Huh? Can it happen? <laughs> like, and it's, it's just like I get this overwhelming sense, huh? sense of fear mm-hmm. from the Tigers front office. Like they're just worried about letting a guy go because he might do well elsewhere. And I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's just me, you know, projecting my feelings or my, my thoughts onto them. But just the lack of interesting roster moves um it does i i would i would kill for a jerry depoto or somebody who's just going to make a thousand trades just because at this point because i'm getting kind of tired of seeing all these same old faces Uh, you know what as much as everybody uh, i'll sound like an old fart i don't care you mean randy smith every day of the week yeah i gotta tell you randy smith i mean like look Randy smith came up with damien easley who was a serviceable second baseman who was an all-star second baseman i mean now all his trades worked but he also had a trade because mother is the invention of necessity. Well, 
What was that term? Yeah, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah. yeah. No, okay. So yeah, because he didn't have a choice at the matter. He couldn't spend at the time before they moved in the Comerica Park. So I don't know. Like it's I, I don't want to go in the same old, same old about this, but I mean it, it, it just a creativity right now would be an ideal situation. Uh, you look at what the you know the Dodgers done the Dodgers made a couple minor league trades this evening. That's what they do. They they uh, yeah. constantly churning over the roster, and it's like it's like uh, soil. You're churning it, you're churning it, and getting something out of it. But I mean, it's and I know Luke was talking about this earlier about Paredes and and just throw him out there, see what happens with Jake Rogers. I I yeah. don't don't see the harm in that. And if they don't, let them go. They'll walk eventually. I mean, it's just yeah, it's a matter of time. Well, it'd be interesting if you know they, if they had a, a philosophy. Uh, if you wanted to turn it over to the young players, you know, could they sign when once he's you know a little more ready than now? Once Torkelson is at that point, do you sign him to the deal like the Braves did with Acuna and lock him up for a year or two past free agency? Uh, and then you can put him in the lineup when he's uh, relatively inexperienced. Same thing with Riley Green. Uh, you know, if you want to do that, you can do that. They can have they can take their lumps at the major league level. I mean, Riley Green is might be older than um, Juan Soto was when he debuted, or very close anyway. So uh, it's doable. And, you know, I, when you talk about uh, the philosophy of churning things over, no question. I mean, we've seen enough of Jacoby Jones. We've seen enough of, as much as I hate to say it, Vic Reyes, you know, because I'm, I'm his man. I'm still in the corner. He can be hitting 128 or whatever he is right now. But, uh, we, yeah, we've seen enough of that. Uh, I look at the Rays. You know, I bring up the Rays a lot, but you look how they build their bullpen and you look how you build their bench, uh, where they find the Mike Brasso's of the world. Uh, Detroit does very, very little of that. They celebrate when they find Jose Cisnero, and that's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Jose Cisnero is a story that's been told in Tampa about 15 times over the last decade, you know, Mm -hmm. or more. So uh, certainly the Tigers need a new front office. Uh, You know, I most of us are in agreement on that. However, if the ownership doesn't change philosophy, I'm not sure what, what it means. Um, yeah, that's what. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I, oh, go ahead, Alex. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree completely with, with all of that, that I think that um, right now, unless you have, uh, you know, a, a money ball exact scenario where you get a GM that is going to, you know, do go against like work against ownership's wishes in a way that like work within that ownership has no vision um framework uh i don't think that anything anything really changes unless ownership is on board because you can bring up all those guys you can turn the roster you can kind of throw the spaghetti at the wall see what sticks and then plug holes with great free agent signings uh where you kind of you know back right just write a big check and fill in uh, fill in a, a first base hole uh, as we may be, you know, looking at this year's. Otherwise, uh, you know, Miguel Cabrera is a fine first baseman out on the field, but it's I'd much rather have Miggy just DHing, um, like plugging in those holes. And even that, it feels like they kind of did that and then backed away from the the plan uh, in uh, at first base. And so I think that yeah, it's definitely a, a top down philosophy problem that it's. Uh, I I think the the best thing that could happen for Detroit Tigers the Detroit Tigers front office is that Chris Illich sells the team. Um, like that's to me the only the only real thing that unless he gets hit in the head and completely changes his personality, um, <laughs> I think we're 
were kind of destined to, you know, always be a bridesmaid once once they get good. Yeah, and you would hope that if if it's something along the lines of where Troy Weaver, I think, is dealing with what he's working with. I think if I if like Cleveland, for example, the Nol the Dolan Dolans are notoriously don't spend, but mm-hmm. Cleveland has a ridiculous amount of developing their talent and taking pictures and, and putting design to them. And if they could do that, look, if if the Tigers are competitive every year, that's all I care about. If they have players that within the system that are competitive, then that's fine. I that's you know. That's mm-hmm. right. With that, so Chris, we have another question. Well, yeah, we have two more. One of them was actually we, we kind of gone over a little bit, but uh, Tim D fifty six was asking us to go over the the minor league rosters, and we, we did that, I think. But yeah. he also was asking about the draft. He said, if the Tigers don't get a shortstop in the first round, so with the, you know third pick, are some big middle infielders? Are there some big middle infielders who might be there in the second round? I don't know how much uh, any of you guys have actually dug into the draft to the point where you know like the second rounders, but. I've only done a little if, bit of research, to be honest with you. Uh, so I will say, you know, one of the, the the big weaknesses of this draft is college middle infielders. There just aren't many at all. I mean, Matt McLean is a guy who's probably going to go top 15, and there's some questions about him uh, sticking at shortstop, maybe even a second baseman, maybe even center fielder. But around, so the Tigers pick again at 32 and then 38, I believe. Yeah. Um, one hope, I guess, is that Alex Mooney, the kid here from Orchard Lake St. Mary's, would be there. He's a... Uh, He's just a, a well-rounded shortstop. He, he's going to stick at the position. He can hit. He can run a little bit. He doesn't have a ton of power, but he might be able to grow into a little bit more. It's it's not like – it's weird. It's not like a super high ceiling, but it's also a pretty high floor for a high school kid, I think. So he would be an interesting option there. There's Jose Torres of NC State. You know, we've Roger's talked before yeah. about uh, how that they love to hit up North Carolina as a state. Uh, he's kind of the best defensive shortstop in college, I think. But there's questions about his bat, which is uh, that feels like a classic uh, Danny Worth. Uh, who was the kid they got from Texas that one year? Brandon Loy. This kind of like, oh, yeah. I'm glove- talking about Luke Shirley there for a second. Oh, well, yeah, just these glove first shortstops. Uh, there's a kid named Ryan Bliss at Auburn who's really interesting. He might end up being a second baseman more, but he's really – all he's done is hit this year. He just he, – he's – He's kind of one of those college players that just comes up big in the biggest moments. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Cody Clemens when he was uh, a junior at Texas, just kept hitting bombs. Now, Bliss isn't, doesn't have that kind of power, but he just comes up with big hits all the time, even though Auburn does, never wins. They, they, they've lost like 15 one-run games, it seems like. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's just kind of thin. And then after that, you're talking – there are a lot of prep shortstops in the class, and it's kind of hard to, to play where they're, or figure out where they're going to go. There's a, a second baseman – or people are projecting to go to second base. I think he's from Mississippi. Peyton, is it Peyton Stovall? I don't know. There's there's a kid. He's just tearing it up right now. And he's that's he's the guy. Looking like a first rounder now, so he probably won't be there. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a a Royal kid from Puerto Rico. I don't know. It's I don't. Know. I I think it would. I would prefer if they're going to take a, a shortstop, get one at three, and then you yeah, know, dip into the college pitching there at thirty two and thirty eight. That's what I was going to say. The the only suggestions I had for I was looking at some of the Miami University of Miami has a couple of guys that they've been talking. About. Um, I think they're more relievers though. Um, uh, who is it that the uh, Carlson Palmquist? Or no, no, he's he's a freshman. I'm thinking of. But there's a couple of pitchers in Miami. I watched Miami over the weekend or a couple of weeks ago against Clemson. I've been for whatever reason I get a lot of Miami games up when I'm watching. <laughs> And they have a couple of guys that, of course, Adrian Del Castillo, for selfish reasons of side, and his brother, who is um, an outfielder who's 5'9", he's not going to, something, 
I could see up here, but no, the Miami's got some interesting pitchers that throw like uh there's Jake Smith. I was thinking of Jake Smith, I couldn't think of the right hand pitcher. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind if they went to get a big bat and then pitching the rest of the way because if you look at like I said, we talked about this a little earlier with the minor league rosters, there's not a lot of minor league pitching depth right now. And I think if they, if they can get a couple of big arms that they can fill the void with Dan Hubs. And there is one thing about the Tigers' development, and I will say this. It seems like they ha- are developing pitchers. I mean, Alex Lange went to drive line, uh, drive line or yeah. drive line, mm-hmm. and we saw the Instagram. Um, I don't know, Alex, I'll have to send you the link, but it, it, it made a difference, and that's why we saw the Alex Lange mm-hmm. links we see now. So, but yeah, there's I, I don't I think with pitching design, I think that I would trust a pitcher. I, I think I t- trust the Tigers' development of pitching right now that I've ever had in my life, and I can say comfortably say that. I'm a little bit on the opposite side. I still want – I would prefer they get some hitters early on. Um, I just look at the system, and for me, once you get past Horkelson Green and Paredes, um, there's not a lot there that I want to bank on. Uh, you know, then you just hope that last year's class, um, those last five picks, uh, yield a couple of position players. But when you look at the lineup in Detroit and you look at their ability to scrounge up talent at the major league level – uh, I really believe they need to flood the zone with as many hitters as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really kind of interested to see that um, uh, Judd Fabian from Florida, who had, you know, four or five months ago was being looked at in the top 10 or 15, really got off to a terrible start uh, with a big swing and miss rate. He's kind of coming back a little bit right now. Uh, he's been playing better lately. He might fall into that range where the Tigers are picking in the, in the 30s. Um, that would be a really nice high-end player. Uh, another guy is uh, Benelis from uh, Louisville, third baseman. They're not sure if he's going to be a third. He might be a DH, sadly, so that maybe knock him down to the third or fourth round, but that guy's got real power. If you ever see Louisville on TV, your odds of seeing him mash one is pretty high. Uh, so those are the kind of guys I'm looking at. And then at the top of the draft, if we want to go there, um, I'm excited to see that Brady House is moving up. I'm still in Marcelo Mayer camp, but I think Brady House is is turning into a uh, a nice one B option for the Tigers. That was the last question, Chris. Uh, yeah, my uh, my buddy Rob, uh, he said, "What are what are the payrolls of all the teams in the Central, and why are the other teams so much better than the Tigers?" <laughs> uh, he said, "My point is that all the teams are in a rebuild, with the exception of the Twins, and they keep a tight budget." Every team in our division seems to be better than us. Rebuild faster, get more out of the vets, etc. And everyone has a similar budget, so being poor is a BS excuse. Um, I have the payrolls right here. Yeah, I, I, you know, go ahead. Okay, so right now we're looking at the twin, like the lead. So right now the White Sox have the top payroll in the division is one hundred thirty-one million dollars, followed by the Twins at one hundred twenty-five. So then you go down to the Royals, which is ninety million. The what, what am I missing? The Cleveland, where are the Indians at? Cleveland is like fifty. Oh yeah, no, yeah. So get this. Oh, you guys are gonna love this. Tigers sitting at eighty-one million, and Cleveland is dead last at forty-eight. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing that, that I think the White Sox are the only one of those teams that have a payroll in the upper half, and it's like they're fifteenth yeah. or fourteenth. Yeah, the yeah. league average. So, yeah, the league average is one hundred twenty-eight. By the way. So. Nobody in the division is is breaking the bank, really. I mean, this is, they're not overflowing their coffers or whatever to 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 put competitors out there. Um, 
no, I think we can go through case by case and say, hey, why is this team better? And it's generally, hey, they did better in trades, they drafted better, and they've done better free agent signings. It, it's like you can go through and, and look at it in, in just every instance. Um, by the way, you, the Rockies are sitting at 115 million with that roster. With that roster, yeah, I don't know. Ugh. Well, they're eating like all Arenado's salary, aren't they? Yeah, they're eating. Yeah, they're eating quite a bit of it. But just yeah, I just played to put that in context. Seattle, by the way, is getting a lot of value. 78 million. That's it for Seattle. And wow. some, I mean, they're doing manipulation right now with Jared Kellenick. But well, I mean, the Royals have the best record in the Central, right? And they're they're the yeah, the Royals that are at 90, barely million. above the Tigers. Well, and I think like I mean, you look at the the way the Royals handled the announcement of their minor league rosters today, mm-hmm. and compare that to how the Tigers did, and I think even just that is a, a pretty easy explanation of like why the Royals are better than us right now, um, in that they are actually investing as an organization in their farm system. Um, and then the the flip side of the story is that the Tigers weren't paying for housing at the alternative training site and like how much effort are guys going to put into an organization that is not returning that in kind um, in, especially in ways that seem, seem super simple. Like a lot of so much of baseball talent development comes down to what these guys are doing in the off season and to get better before they come back to the organization, uh, how they're working with the organization, how they're going to uh, see coaches in the off season. And if, if Chris Illich isn't going to pay for my apartment in Toledo, um, <laughs> yeah. why am why am I gonna dip into my funds to go make my get my hitting better? Yeah. You look at the uh, wealthiest owners, right? Illich family, three point eight billion. Uh, Polads of the Twins, three point eight billion. The Dolans and in Indian uh, the Indians, four point six billion. Uh, the Royals, Sherman. Only at one point two five. Only uh, at one point two five billion. <laughs> so, practically paupers in the. Yeah. <laughs> so the Illiches are worth three times what John Sherman is, and in, in the, uh, the Royals, you know, uh, are making moves to stay competitive. And what I think what the Royals did, they steadfastly refused to move their core players, uh, Whit Merrifield, Sal Perez. Um, so they kept a small core, even not a big core, but a small core of guys to build on, to bring in young guys and place the young guys around the steady vets. And that looks like it's going to work again for them. And now they made some not top tier free agent signings, but they made the second tier free agent signings, you know, the, the Santana, the, uh, they traded for Ben Attendee. They uh, brought in Mike Miner, you know, they didn't um, settle for a catcher who can't catch uh, like, like Detroit has, you know, uh, they haven't settled for Robbie Grossman, who nice guy, decent player. But if you're, if you got a good team, Robbie Grossman's your fourth outfielder who bats seventh. Okay. That's what he should be, but that's not obviously what he's going to be in Detroit. So I guess my point is uh, the Royals have gone about this differently. They've built through the draft. They certainly tanked a couple seasons um, but they did it by they, – they kept that core group. And I wish, wish the Tigers had maybe signed an upper-tier free agent or two to place on the roster so that as they bring these young players in, they, they're going to be building around that more veteran core uh, that's going to be on their next contender. Because right now, I, met, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, 
they're doing it the opposite. It looks like they're trying to develop these young guys as their core. And then they're saying, supposedly, they're going to bring in uh, a bigger payroll to, to augment the young core. I just think that's backwards. I, I would say, like, when I look at the Royals, they had a couple really awful seasons, but I feel like it was all organic. Like they weren't tanking. They were just bad. They, yeah. they lost their star players mm-hmm. and they couldn't afford to keep them for the most part. They got bad, but they never really stopped trying. It didn't feel like to me. And, and one of the big things you see from them is, is they've had success in the Latin market. You got Adalberto Mondesi, Salvador Perez, uh, Jordano Ventura, rest in peace. They got him. You, they had some success there. They had success in the draft. Dozier was kind of an unusual first-round pick because they were using it to save money for Sean Manaya, but he's turned out to be a solid player. Uh, Whit Merrifield was like an 11th rounder, wasn't he? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and so they've they've done that. And you mentioned the free agents. So like, yeah, there there are multiple ways to build a team. You you don't just do it through the draft or in, you know, they they trade Jorge Soler for Wade Davis. I mean, Wade mm. Davis has kind of fallen off the map. And that's what you do with good relievers. You trade them. <laughs> if you if you're not competing, trade them. And now they brought him back. Yeah. 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 And Greg Holland's back too. Like that's um so a, and that's a sign of a good organization and right there. And that's just one team. We, we don't talk about the White Sox. I mean, they had some of the best trades you'll ever see compared to the, it's it's night and day what they got in their trades compared to the Tigers. I mean, half their half their rotation and half their lineup is from trades, and they've got a great pipeline to Cuba and and they're draft. They've drafted well too. The you know Garrett Crochet, Michael Kopech. Uh, yeah, Michael. Well, Kopech came in the Kopech. trade for uh, oh, yeah, for right. Chris Sale, but I, I mean that, yeah. that was a draft. They drafted Chris Sale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so you just you see that up and down in the organization. Cleveland is one of the best teams at developing pitching. They uh, and and they also have a great pipeline in Latin America, yeah. <laughs> and, and especially you don't see it necessarily at the major league level right now, but they've got tons of really interesting young prospects in the minors in Minnesota. They just have made a lot of really small, interesting moves. They they had, you know, they they were really bad for a while there. They got a couple of high high picks, but they also hit the international market. You know, Miguel Sano, Jorge Polanco, yeah. and these little deals. You know, they signed Josh Donaldson because they feel like they're close. They signed uh, who else did they sign? You know, Pineda and Jay Happ and all these little deals, and they're trying. <laughs> they try. These other teams try. The Tigers do not. Well, it's so interesting. You kind of listed off everybody's calling card. You know, what what are they known for? It's like Detroit's known for a fourth and fifth outfielders. Yeah. Well, that's, our, <laughs> that's what they do well. If, if only they'd let us play five outfielders. Yeah. <laughs> like Mike with softball. We play yeah. beer league softball and they have to uh, move that out there to get everything yeah. going. But, Those are the uh, questions, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Alex. I know that uh, Luke had to go, but um, again, what do you guys – your next show is dropping on Sunday, correct? Uh, we'll drop it Monday morning. Uh, Monday so morning, we'll, okay. yeah, we'll I'll I'll flee Yankee Stadium as quickly as I can after the game on Sunday, and then and then we'll record the show and then drop it Mondays, and then we we occasionally go live throughout the week on Facebook. But yeah, catch us on Mondays uh, and pretty much anywhere we get a podcast. Um, yeah, we're also seeing a little bit of a pickup on Spotify as well. So definitely, people have migrated their listening habits over there. Um, yeah, yeah. Have, thanks so much for having us on. I'd love, love talking with you guys. Likewise, Alex. Thanks and we're going to, we'll, we'll put the link on where to find these guys. Again, uh, one of the, I, I love their professionalism and Alex has got a voice like butter. So I mean, I'm just, it's a uh... <laughs> oh, shot. <laughs> um, but yeah, check these guys out. Um, and we'll, there'll be an article, a couple more articles posted tomorrow. 
And for the month, again, thanks for everybody who's been tuning into our checking out our articles at MotorCityBangles.com. One of our best Aprils we've had in a long time. And uh, it was funny when one of our new guys wrote the Miguel Cabrera must go. And I'm like, I, I cringed a little bit. I'm, honestly, I'm not going to lie because I'm like, I'm the old man. And the, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, he's a young guy. I'll let him have. And there's some people who are like, yeah, get him go. Let him go. He's the payroll thing. And I'm like. So anyway, I, that's why I wrote my work. And then Miggy, and then Miggy, Miggy responded. Um, <laughs> I have remind, audio, reminded way, all of us. I have had just cut the audio, but the 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 bullet that piece of audio is wonderful. That you oh, know what? Man. Just there's yeah. so much drop potential with that. Just to use it like it's boost, you know, welcome but, back to the jungle with your host Marty um, Tallman, we'll lead fantasy anyways, baseball analyst at we'll Motor City week, Bengals. Week, everybody. You can find me on Twitter at Marty underscore Tallman. I hope you are enjoying uh, your week, and I'm super excited to hop into today's show. Um, again, thank you as always for sticking around. I hope uh, you had a great show with Roger and Chris, and excited to go through the most important news and notes through the MLB this week. Um, and yeah, let's just hop right into it. So starting with Corbin Burns. So the young ace has been placed on the IL. Uh, manager Craig Council did not specify the reason for Burns going to the IL. Um, and quote, he said, um, Corbin is on the injured list. I can't discuss it. So um, the last few times that's happened, it's pretty much, you know, I don't want to say guaranteed, but more than likely he is um, suffering from COVID-19 or some type of uh, tracing deal or something like that. So the young Gates will not be making his next start against the Cardinals, which is a big bummer. Um, anyone who's been following Burns this year, and he's been one of the funnest players in baseball to watch. So I uh, wish him the best and a speedy recovery. Jordan Alvarez, the Houston Astros slugger. So speaking of COVID-19, um, he was on the, um, the IL with it for the last week and a half. And then um, he came back, um, played a few games, but um, then he went back on the IL. And so uh, right now, Dusty Baker, uh, the manager for the Astros, says he's feeling better, but he's not 100% yet. So um, assuming there's no setback, he, setbacks, he should be in the lineup for the weekend. Um, Houston Astros' Fromber Valdez. So here's some good news. Um, so he went down earlier in the year with a like a fractured or torn finger and the initial um, some initial uh, spots had him actually being out for the entire year, which was really scary. But now he's already been cleared to begin facing live hitters. Um, the pitching coach for the Astros, Brent Strom, told reporters that Valdez is way ahead of schedule. Um, oh, yeah, he fractured his left ring finger. That's what it was. And so, um, yeah, he expects to be back here here soon here. Um, probably in the next few weeks he should be expected to be back in the Astros starting rotation. So if you do have him in fantasy and you've held on to him this long, keep holding on. Um if you're looking for like a four, your third, fourth pitcher, um, and let's say your ERA and your whip has taken a hit over here um, over these last few weeks, maybe you drafted Luis Castillo or someone like that, I would start uh, targeting Fromber Valdez. Um, all the big wigs, you know, Saracis from the Athletic, um, they were they were all about him at the beginning of the year. Um, so I would start throwing out some some good trade trade offers and try to get Valdez for your starting rotation for the rest of the year. Detroit Tigers' Matthew Boyd. So he left uh, Thursday's start against the White Sox early with left knee tendonitis. So um, that's about all we've gotten there. But, yeah, he left early. Outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers, Kristen Yelich, the slugger. Um, he's participating again um, in simulated games. So him and his teammate Lorenzo Cain, both suffering different injuries. Yelich with the back. Um, Lorenzo Cain with the hamstring. They're both uh, they're both back playing simulated games, and they should be um, in the lineup here within the next week or so. But there is no still no exact timetable. 
The Phillies manager, Joe Girardi, told reporters on Thursday that Bryce Harper went through the concussion protocol, and he's currently day-to-day. As probably most of you saw, Harper took a 97-mile-an-hour fastball to the face, um, and it was just, it was pretty brutal watching it. Um, he posted a video on social media later that day, later that night, saying he's fine. Um, so there's been no word without him going to the IL yet. It doesn't look like there's any fractures in his face or you know, anything like that. So it's not a Willie Calhoun situation like last year when he had his jaw fractured and missed a few months. So expect uh, Harper to well, expect a word for the next few days. Expect a word on how he's doing. And uh, Didi Gregorius, the shortstop uh, slash second baseman for the Phillies, he was hit as well. He was actually hit in the ribs, and he's currently day-to-day. So we're, we're waiting on both of them. The Marlins placed infielder Jazz Chisholm on the 10-day, 10-day injured list with a left hamstring strain, and uh, this one's a bummer. I mean, anyone who's been following Jazz this year, he's been so much fun. You know, he's getting home runs. He's playing every single day. Um, they had him. They kind of had him all over the lineup. <clears throat> you know, they had him in the back of the lineup, at the beginning of the lineup, going back and forth, and it looks like he finally started to settle in. Um, the shortstop slash second baseman started to hit a stride, so you, you hate to see this happen. He was running the first base um, when he uh, came up lame. But uh, left hamstring train, you know, usually a few weeks, and it could linger, so keep an eye on that. Uh, the veteran, uh, Yadier Molina, the old Cardinals uh, catcher who's just been outstanding so far this year, uh, he was placed on the 10-day injured list with the right foot strain. Um, so that's a bummer, but he should be back soon. Uh, the Blue Jays placed uh, Hin-Hugh Ryu um, on the 10-day injured list with the right glute strain. He left his most recent uh, outing early. Um, at first, they they, actually, they didn't think he was going to go on the IL, but you know how that goes. Um, at first, like, oh, he's fine. They do some tests. You know, he's a little bit older, so, you know, they're going to play it safe with him. Um, he should be back soon. Uh, the Blue Jays manager uh, uh, said that Teoscar Hernandez actually is very close to returning. I mean, you know, pinch me if you've heard this before because it's been about three weeks that he's been on the uh, COVID-19 um, IL, so obviously it hit him pretty hard. But, um, yeah, he's supposed to come back this weekend, which is really cool. I mean, he had a, an amazing breakout year last year, double-digit home runs, close to double-digit steals, hit over 300. Uh, for the first time ever, you were probably drafting him in the top 100, so, you know, top 150. So um, for fantasy uh, purposes, you know, it's going to be a big addition to your team, especially if you need the home runs and the RBIs. Good news about Luke Voigt. So the Yankees' first baseman, um, he's taking now live at-bats at the alternate, at the alternate training site. Uh, Boone said that uh, he's really starting to ramp up now. Um, you know, he had his partially torn meniscus in his left knee. So um, he, he's expected to be back in the next week. So for you, for those that drafted him and who have held on, this is good news. You're finally going to be able to uh, get him back into your lineups. Matt Olson for the for the athletics. So uh, he got hit in the eye, similar to Harper, but this is actually one we didn't see uh, because it was in during batting practice. And uh, manager, the A's manager, Bob Melvin, did confirm that there's no structural damage. Uh, but he also noted that the first baseman has, quote, quite the shiner, end quote. So, you know, he should be back in the next few days here. Uh, so nothing uh, too uh, terrible out of that. Um, uh, Lance Lynn. So he's, an ex- he, you know, he had the, um, I think it was like a strain trapezius uh, muscle after his most recent start. Um, they expected it to be the minimal stay on the on the 10-day IL, and that's exactly what it was. So expect Lance Lynn, who is my dark horse for the AL Cy Young this year. He's going against the Cleveland Indians. It should be 
You know, I'm, I hope that, you know, he's fully 100%. I want to see him go seven, eight innings right out of the gate. Uh, I'd like to see him get back on track and make sure he gets that Cy Young for me. The Giants placed Mike Yastrzemski on the 10-day injured list with the left oblique strain. Um, again, this was one of those ones where the coaches were actually optimistic that he won't have to spend any time on the IL. But, you know, he did a couple drills um, and uh, it just didn't feel right. He's 30 years old, so you know he's not exactly a spring chicken here. So they're going to take it slow uh, with, their, um, with their center fielder. The Braves' Max Freed, um, who suffered a hamstring strain, he's on track to rejoin the Braves um, next week against the Nationals. So uh, that's exciting. I mean, the first – he's had three starts so far. None have been really that well. He actually got really lit up against the Nationals last time. He was out in about two innings, you know, a 22.5 ERA. Uh, but it's just good to see the young guy who broke out last year. Uh, Freed was amazing last year, so it's good to see him back on. And the Mariners placed left-handed uh, pitcher Marco Gonzalez on a 10-day IL with a left forearm strain. And just a few weeks ago, um, I was saying, you know, drop, get away from Marco Gonzalez, stay away from him. It looks like he's done, you know, this and that. And what did he do? He came back and um, he became the Marco Gonzalez of the last few years. So um, over so when I told you to drop him, he just um, in 4.1 innings, he gave up a 14.54 ERA with a 2.5 whip. Since then, five innings, um, five innings in Baltimore with a 3.6 whip, seven innings against the Dodgers with a 1.29 whip, and against Houston last time out, six innings with a 3.00 whip. His last two starts have been quality starts, so. Marco Gonzalez doing Marco Gonzalez things. This is what he does. You know, he, at no point does he look like he's that good. And then all of a sudden he just rips off three, four, five quality starts and you look like a fool for dropping him. So um, I would, you know, he's going to be on the 10 day IL here. Left forearm strain shouldn't be anything too, too serious. But um, they're going to be calling Domingo Tapia up uh, from the taxi squad to fill that. Um, but yeah, I think you're, if, if you did hold on to Marco Gonzalez and you have an IL spot, I would, I would keep him there. Um, but if, you, if it's possible, I'd actually trade, I would trade him, you know, get rid of him, see if you can get something, you know, someone to a little bit more stri- higher, uh, strikeout upside. All right. That is all the news and the notes around the league, um, for this week. And as always, thank you for listening. And if you have any questions for me, you can always reach me on Twitter at Marty underscore Tolman. Again, lead, lead fantasy baseball analyst for the Motor City Bengals. Also write for the Triple Play Fantasy Network. And, um, yeah, have a great week. See you next time.